Acts chapter 7 is our passage today, and I invite you to turn in your own copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 7. Last week, we began looking at the life of Stephen, the very first uh, martyr in the history of the church. And so last week, we looked at uh, what Stephen did and kind of the things he did do, the things he didn't do. And I told you last week that that would be the first part of three weeks of looking at Stephen. And, and today, uh, we're looking at what Stephen said. What was his message as he was accused of being a blasphemer? Remember, they, they uh, didn't like the message of the gospel that he was giving. The synagogue of the freedmen that we talked about last week. He went preaching Jesus and they, even though they called themselves free men, they were still in slavery to their old traditions. And the Bible says they argued against him, but their arguments could not prevail. So they started talking about him, and that didn't get him discouraged or down. So they kept spreading lies about him more and more until he was called in front of the grand council for the nation of Israel, called the Sanhedrin. And he was called to stand before them and give a defense. And really that's what chapter 7 uh, is all about. So if you would, if you're physically able, please stand at this time. Acts chapter 7, and uh, we're going to read um, verses 1 through 3. Then the high priest asked Stephen, Are these accusations true? This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you today and we're so thankful for the story that is told by Stephen. And we're so thankful and grateful for the greater story of redemption, which is told in all of your holy word. Father, we pray today that we would catch a glimpse of your story and our part in that story. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Stephen told a story. Can you imagine that? When we talk about people telling stories, we usually mean they're exaggerating just a bit, right? Well, he told a story. But Stephen wasn't exaggerating. Stephen was, in fact, in, on trial, in defense of his very life. And could you imagine that if you were called before a, a group of leaders who were, had, they held your hand, their, your life in their hand. It was hanging in the balance. What would you say? How would you defend yourself? They had accused Stephen of blasphemy, of the temple, and of the traditions of Moses. In other words, uh, the Old Testament law. And Stephen decides to build a defense, mount a defense, not on arguments, not on propositions and statements and principles, but rather instead he decides to tell a story. Isn't that interesting? Why in the world would Stephen tell a story? 
The story is told really through the whole, most, uh, most of that whole uh, chapter, especially verses 1 through 53. And I really regret I can't read that whole story to you, but I, um, I practiced it in my office. I thought, this is kind of long. I timed it. It took about 11 minutes to read the story. And so we want to have Sunday school today. So, but I encourage you to go back in your Bible and read uh, another time, Acts 7, 1 through 53. What was this story that Stephen told. Why would he tell it? He begins with the verses we looked at. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he left Tehran. And God told him, leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. He started with those few words, and at that moment, he began telling those stories. A lot of people in their mind began telling the story internally. Their minds were racing ahead. Their minds were already thinking, and story does some amazing things. Story connects us to others. It connects the teller of the story to the listeners. It's always interesting when I'm preaching, I can be saying, Bible says, Bible says, Bible says. And then when I say, now the other day when I was at Walmart, and the interesting thing, I'm saying, Bible says, Bible says, and people are like this. And I say, now the other day at Walmart, and all of a sudden people lean forward a little bit. They kind of wake up a little bit from that slumber, and they listen. And everybody who's a speaker will tell you that same thing that something about story grabs our attention, and, and it connects us as we're telling stories to one another. And some of these are our own stories. Sometimes we're telling a story about a ball game that we were at and what we saw, and maybe it's we're at the mall and we found this deal, or whatever our story is. But all of us like stories, and we tell stories to other people. They're not just for entertainment. They're not just for stretching the truth or for uh, tending to little children. Stories catch our attention and connect us with other people. For instance, uh, stories have a sticking power to them, by the way. We're, we remember stories better than we do just facts or figures. Uh, the world at large, the entertainment business, those who write and those who produce, they know these things. So if I was to say to you, here's a story about a lovely lady you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or if I'd say, sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful ship, or maybe even those who were growing up in the 90s. Now this is a story all about how my life got turned. Well, some of you who are Fresh Prince fans will be re remembering and repeating all the rest of that right now. Stories grab us. Stories lower our defenses. If Stephen had responded to all their lies and their, all their hate, and he had kind of bucked up and said, oh yeah, well let me tell you this, they would have immediately stayed just as defensive. And they probably would have shut him down immediately and not let him talk any further. But he starts saying, you know our God, Abraham. I mean, our God called this man named Abraham way, way back. Back when he was living over there in Mesopotamia, by the way, what we would call Iraq today, he was living over there and God called him. And he said to him, you leave and you go where? To the place I'll show you. 
And immediately he captured his audience. Immediately they started listening for what he had to say. There's that connection we talked about. Abraham Lincoln did the very same thing in the Gettysburg Address when he said, fourscore and seven years ago, our forefathers, and he begins to do what? To tell a story. To connect the founding of our nation with the current troubles that they were going through in the Civil War era. There's those connections that come from story. We are reminded that the past is not just ancient history. In other words, it's not that boring stuff we hope we can get through as quick as, as we possibly can. But we remember that the past is just another sort, sort of story. Just like the story we live in today. There is a connection between what God did back then and what he is doing today. And Stephen wanted to, to help these people who had accused him to understand that they were off base, but he didn't start off coming out saying, you're wrong and you're off base. He wants them to look at the story, that story that they say they believe, that they say they follow. They say, I, we're so vigilant for God and for Moses' word and for the temple. And he wants to remind them what the true story of all those things is. We look in the Old Testament and we see that and really the New Testament as well, that Stephen is not doing something new and unheard of. But many times throughout the Old and New Testament, biblical writers, even though we know we have the whole story, we've got all 66 books right here, but oftentimes we need to condense that story. We need to break it down in a short and easily understandable way. And while verses 1 through 53 makes for a, a long passage to read, 10 minutes really makes for a nice short sermon that everybody was able to listen to. Jesus did it. Paul did it. Many others throughout Scripture took the story of redemption, and they kind of condensed it and summarized it, and they told that story in a way that people could understand. Story engages our imagination. Last week, when I told the story about Walmart and seeing that beauty and the beast, uh, that connection there with the light shining and with Stephen and us shining, God shining through us, uh, one of our members said, I could just picture that scene with the light coming out when you said that. And stories help us to recall scenes in our minds, maybe not just videos, but they help us to, to see what we're hearing they engage our emotions. They help us to, to really open ourselves up. If I was to, uh, to, to mention a few opening lines to you, if you are familiar with these works, then it would put your mind in a different mindset. It is the truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a fortune must be in want of a wife. Pride and prejudice. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times, from a tale of two cities. Of course, there's the generic once upon a time. And I don't have to tell you where long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away, where that one came from. Tales, stories, we enjoy them 
We tell them, we listen to them, but we often forget their power. We think of ourselves as completely rational beings that are really moved by propositions and arguments and logic. And the reality is that God has made us with intellect, but with emotion, with heart, with feelings as well. And for our lives to truly be changed, for our minds to be changed about things, it's not just cold, bare truth by itself, but it's the package that it's in. It's the story that's being told that often moves us. Hymn writers know this. If you start to think about some of the hymns, if you really thought very long and very hard, you could uh, imagine and you could, you could get the sense, the reality, that what the great hymns are doing are telling stories. They're stories that we tell together. What do we do in this place? Uh, the little ones are taught stories. But even us as adults, we go over stories. We sing stories it's why we say, I shall sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. It's why we sing, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. There is a power in stories that we enjoy, but we often don't appreciate. And we neglect the power of story. Jesus used the power of story. Think about all the times that he gave great parables. As I look at the teachings, at the preaching, at the word of Jesus, yes, there were some times when he gave straight on, uh, outright truth, and you like Sermon on the Mount, but even that involved a whole lot of figures of speech. It wasn't just plain, literal speech. But more than that, most of the time when you see Jesus talking, he is telling us about a certain man that came down from Jerusalem and was caught up among thieves. And so we know the story of the Good Samaritan. That story uh, is powerful and it grips us. He tells a story about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. Stories are powerful conveyors of God's truth. And Stephen knew this, and it's the reason why he used a story. As I began to think about all the things that stories do, how they engage our imagination, our emotions, how they connect us, how they lower defenses. And by the way, our defenses need to be lowered. One, because when somebody comes at you with straight-up theology, usually you're just kind of, let me, let me, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, see if it's any different than mine so I can kind of attack back. Or maybe we're just information overload, like we don't need to hear another thing. But all of us will listen to another story, if it's a good one, Right? But I thought about all those things that stories uh, do. And it reminded me of the connection, the similarity between story and music. See, music does a lot of those same things. It, it captures our emotions. It, it, it lowers our defenses. It connects us as we, as we sing together the songs of the faith. And that's why we, we always do music in worship services because that music is so powerful. It's a way for us to get close to God. I, uh, last uh, Tuesday, uh, Denise and I were at a, uh, a Gideon's banquet, and um, some of our other church folks were there, and uh, it, it, was a, it was a nice time that we got to enjoy, and they were asking Denise, 
She was there as my wife because this was a pastor's and wife appreciation banquet, but also uh, they had asked Denise to sing. And so uh, she was able to sing three songs and, um, and just, just beautiful. Of course, as, as always, when she sang, I put up her video and like 1,700 people watched it almost immediately, it seemed like. And, you know, it was, it was pretty neat and I was thinking about the, the power of, of song and how it can touch and change our lives. Um, but there was a young man named Kevin who was there uh, at, the, at our, sitting at our table. He was actually becoming a new uh, initiate, a new, a new Gideon. He and his wife were there. And on the program, there was actually a, an error, a small error or a big error, considering how you want to take it. It said, uh, music, Tim, and Denise Lee. <laughs> And so this man, Kevin, who didn't know any better, he looked at me and he said, Oh, do you sing too? And I said, It'll bring tears to your eyes. <laughs> I don't have that gift of song. Some of you may not have that gift of song. But what we all have is a story. We have God's great redemptive story. And we have our story that connects with his story. That's why testimony is so powerful. You see, you may say, Brother Tim, I may say the wrong words. I don't, I don't know how I can tell about my faith. I don't know a lot about theology. I'm not a great speaker. You know, someone can argue you down all day long if you talk doctrine and theology. But they can't argue you against your story when you simply say, this is what Jesus has done for me. I want to encourage you today to be like Stephen. To tell those two stories, the big story of God's redemption, and that connecting story of what God has done in your life, your little bit of that bigger story. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you today and we're so thankful that in each and every stage in the story you never gave up on us. You created us in a perfect place called the Garden of Eden. But our great, great ancestors, Adam and Eve, they messed up. But you didn't give up on them you made a promise that one day one day a child that would be born many 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 years later would come and would crush the head of the serpent you promised us that you would send one who would overcome and throughout all of human history as we have failed you turned away from you rebelled against you The story has consistently told of your love and your care for us, your forgiveness of us. And even today in our part of the story, God, we are reminded that you are active, alive, and at work. The story that began in the Garden of Eden and continued in the life of Stephen in the early church, that story is still going today. We are all a part of that story. Help us 
to live that story in a way that honors you. God, most important today, help us to tell that story. Help us to never be silent. To never be caught up in feelings of inadequacy or or worry or fear that keep our mouths closed. But God, help us to simply tell that story, that wonderful story of the Christ who died for us, for what you've done in each of our lives, changing us and making us more like Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.